There is a place in Louisville, Kentucky, believed to be the number one haunted place in all of America, and probably top five in the world. It has evolved many times, starting as a small schoolhouse, growing into a tuberculosis treatment center, to a prison, and later a nursing home. There was a time in the early 1990s a man envisioned a 150-foot-tall statue of Jesus to be erected atop of its mountainous home and view. However, as he would learn, this haunted place, while it was a beacon of hope, was also a crusher of dreams and a vision of nightmares. Truth is, although this Kentucky hospital closed its doors almost a half a century ago, some former residents didn't seem to get the message. They remain there as lost souls still interacting with living visitors that dare to enter their domain. Join us if you dare as we explore Waverly Hills Sanatorium tonight on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So way, 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 way back in the good old days. Way, way, way. The river Indians of the region, the southwest Louisville, Jefferson County, what is what is now known as uh, southwest Louisville, Jefferson County, Kentucky region. The, the Indians there, the natives, used to tell people this one particular patch of land, well, that was the Spirit Woods. Spirit Woods. And travelers in the region were told never to go there. So... This little piece of land has a history before, well, before our history that we're going to dive into. Now, Eric, you, uh, I think you started a little earlier than I did when you referenced that little schoolhouse. So Mm -hmm. I'll let you kind of give us the background there. The earliest history that I came across was uh, the land was known, uh, commonly known today as Waverly Hill, was purchased by a major Thomas H. Hayes back in 1883, uh, purchased as the the site for the Hayes family home. Since the new home was far away from any existing schools, Mr. Hayes decided to open a local school for his daughters to attend. Uh, he started the one-room schoolhouse on Pages Lane and hired a lady by the name of Lizzie Lee Harris as the teacher. Due to Miss Harris's fondness for author Walter Scott's Waverly novels, she named the schoolhouse Waverly School. Major Hayes liked the peaceful-sounding name so much that he took it on as his property name, and therefore it got the name of Waverly Hill. Uh, Now, Waverly Hill Sanatorium, uh, probably anybody that is into paranormal is very familiar uh, with this. Sort of synonymous with the the ghost hunting hobby this has been on our on bill and i's bucket list and and several oh, I would, people I would that we've talked to, to for, for years and we just haven't made that plunge uh, but this was a former sanatorium uh, located as bill said in kind of southwestern louisville jefferson county kentucky now i'm gonna have to correct you we talk about pronunciations now important they are oh yes yes 
I travel through those kinds of regions from time to time. And, and when you get to the Kentucky, Tennessee part of the country, they don't say Ville. Ville. They say Vol. Vol. Louisville. Louisville. You are correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Nashville, ten, you know, Knoxville. Don't ask me why. We don't say Waynesville. We say Waynesville. <laughs> Waynesville, Missouri. Yeah. But. I mean, if you want to say it right, you want to say it like the locals do. When you're in Rome, do as the Romans. Louisville. <laughs> it opened in 1910 as a two-story hospital to accommodate 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with tuberculosis, we, we commonly call it TB now. To go back to my pop culture references that I use constantly, if you've seen the movie Tombstone, no, Doc Holliday was stricken with tuberculosis. Absolutely. It's a disease that affects the lungs, creates a horrific cough, racking cough that is often accompanied by coughing up blood. Um, basically, you cough up your 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 lung lining mm-hmm. is what it does. Uh, at the time, it was incredibly infectious. I, I, a lot of that region was swampy, and the bacteria. Perfect breeding Yeah, the ground. bacteria just bred like mad in that Moisture region. Moisture of the river area, the heat, yeah. Yeah, in the early 1900s, they had a, an outbreak of tuberculosis. If left untreated, it kills over half of people that contract it. Uh, the treatments were brutal uh, at times. Barbaric. Now, now, mostly it was rest, fresh air, and sunlight. Uh, preferably dry, warm air, which is why Doc Holliday himself had re- retired to Arizona. I was going to say that was what a lot of doctors actually prescribed. Move out west. Yeah. If you got tuberculosis, move out west. But some of the treatments, um, you know, okay, fresh air and sunlight. How do you get that? You go outside mm-hmm. in a metal bed in the dead of winter. It didn't matter what season. I mean, they would have people freezing to death, frostbite, covered in snow so they could get fresh air. They would die of pneumonia yeah. because they, hey, already had breathing issues. <laughs> uh, they would Im- put balloons in the lungs and fill them with air to expand the lung capacity, I guess, would be the Intentionally the collapse areas of the lungs? Yes. Um, collapse or remove the lungs to let the organ, quote unquote, rest. Rest, yeah. Uh, sometimes they would remove ribs and muscles to allow more room for the lung to expand. Barbaric. This I mean, is just like. Awful. Medieval torture. And another name that was kind of thrown out, this was known as the White Plague. Yeah. Everybody's heard of the Black Plague. Well, this seriously was was called the White Plague. Uh, But this original area was built only for 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. Uh, And in the early 1900s, Jefferson County was ravaged by this outbreak that Bill mentioned of of TB. The original construction consisted of the two-story sanatorium, uh, with an administrative building and two open-air pavilions. So uh, the pavilions were going to hold about 20 patients each, what they called early cases before they were, you know, really, really infirm and laid up with, with the disease. And to just set the pace, you know, obviously this was even before Bill and I's time. We're old, but we're not that <laughs> old. Um, but if you watch any old movies from like the 1910s, any shows, anything, there, there's reference – the undoubtable cough and then they they put the tissue up to their mouth and there's signs of blood i mean that's that's how pandemic concerning frightful you know tuberculosis was it was everywhere it was on the movies the big screen everything well you know even in in modern pop culture it's the tb is a big plot point in the video game red dead redemption too yep yep so um yeah people got it and that was you know I mean, that was cause for major concern if you got tuberculosis. And you shunned a lot of times, you you know, you didn't want people to see that because obviously you're super contagious at that point. So 
August 31st, 1912, all TB patients from the City Hospital of Louisville are moved to temporary quarters in tents on the Waverly Hills grounds. Again, people, you know, you go to the hospital and you're left outside. It's, it seems weird to me. In December, a hospital for advanced cases was, was opened with room for 40 more patients. And in 1914, a children's pavilion was added with another 50 beds. So the known capacity at that point was around 130 patients. Um, construction began on the on a new five-story building for 400-plus patients in March of 1924 mm-hmm. and opened October 17th, 1926. And I will say in there that the former structures were mostly wood, and they were already yes. having problems, yep. again, with that moisture and stuff. So the new was going to be built with block brick construction. Now, patient inflow began to decrease after the introduction of streptomycin in 1943. Mm-hmm. The hospital actually closed in 1961 due to the antibiotic, as he had mentioned, uh, streptomycin, that lowered the need for such a hospital. There were original plans at that time to turn the abandoned hospital into a hotel, but um, several failed attempts led to that. And we'll talk a little bit more about the common future and how that is actually taking place now. We're going to jump into um, Woodhaven Medical Services in 1962. And this isn't much better either. The building was reopened in 1962 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center, a nursing home, uh, primarily treating aging patients with various stages of dementia, mobility limitations, as well as the severely mentally handicapped. However, Woodhaven failed greatly because it was severely understaffed and overcrowded. That is not a good mix. When that is a recipe kind of for situation. disaster. Um, Woodhaven also had reports of patient neglects, uh, and it was closed by the state of Kentucky in 1982. What I found was apparently they were using electroshock therapy to treat virtually everything. everything. So, I mean, again, that is... I think it was even controversial at the time. Yes. But now it's viewed as outright barbaric, I think. Yes, yes. Now, obviously, from the paranormal standpoint, it's believed that many of the hauntings of Waverly may stem from this 20-year span just as much as what it would have from the tuberculosis uh, yeah. time frame of it. Now, in 1983... Um, uh, Simpsonville developer J. Clifford Todd bought the hospital in 1983 for uh, about $3 million. He and an architect, Milton Thompson, wanted to convert it into a minimum security prison for the state, but the developers dropped the plan after neighbors protested. Todd yeah. and Thompson then uh, proposed converting the hospital to apartments. Hey, we own the property. We can't. Okay, we got shot down on that. What else can we do? Um, and honestly, I, I think. Didn't that fall through due to that, lack of funding or something yes. like that? So let's make a prison. Let's no. make an apartment. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were they were basically counting on uh, the Jefferson Fiscal yeah. Court to pay uh, to they buy were gonna, about 140 acres. Yeah, they were going to buy a big chunk of the land. Four hundred thousand dollar donation, giving them the money to start the project, and yeah, did did not happen. Did not happen. So I have here that the property was sold again in March of 1996. And this is another little interesting piece of the history of this particular location. <laughs> and you can help fill in again the details here. You're, you're the history guy. But plans were made to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus on this site. Yes. As well as an arts and worship center. And I believe the statue was modeled after the Rio de Janeiro statue of Jesus, which Absolutely. everybody's so familiar with. Yes. Um, I actually had a little plug here. Is Jesus coming to Waverly in 1996? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was March of 96. Robert, uh, I'll probably butcher the name, Al- 
Alberhaski uh, bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area. Alberhaski's uh, Christ the Redeemer Foundation Incorporated made plans to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus on the site, along with an arts and worship center. The statue, which, as Bill had stated, was inspired by the famous uh, Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, It would have been designed by local sculptor Ed Hamilton and architect Jasper Ward. The first phase of the development uh, come in at a cost of only $4 million. That's only $4 million. million. Uh, It would have been a statue 150 feet tall and 150 feet wide, situated on the roof on top of the sanatorium. So this statue is 150 foot tall. So that's on top of the five-story building. Of the five-story building. You're starting to kind of picture this. The second phase would then convert the old sanatorium into a chapel, a theater, and, of course, a gift shop at a cost of only $8 million more. Now, it's my understanding that the donations fell radically short of the target number. The plan to construct the religious icon fell through because, yes, donations to the project fell well short of expectations. You heard me mention some millions. Um, In a period of a year, only $3,000 was raised towards the project despite efforts to pool money from across the nation. The project was officially canceled in December of 1997. Um, I don't mean to be sacrilege here, but Jesus didn't even want to go to Waverly Hills. So the next owners I have are Tina and Charlie Mattingly in 2001. Current owners today. They bought the property, and I believe they they kind of started doing some renovations right away. And it became obvious to them there was something happening in Waverly Hills at that point. During the renovations, they would would kind of hear people in other parts of the building when there shouldn't be people there. Mm-hmm. They would hear footsteps. They would hear doors slamming. They would hear you know things like that. They were obvious. That it it seemed obvious that they were not alone, even when they were. And so they started holding tours of the property and uh, started doing an annual haunted house attraction on Halloween. I would be so down for that. And uh, as of today, I think you said they're still the current owners. Mm -hmm. They are. Uh, They have opened up the building to ghost hunters, which, like you said, it's almost synonymous with that particular hobby at this point. This is like Ed and Lorraine Warren. I mean, if you're into this kind of stuff, this is right there at the top of the list. And and they do tours to inform guests of the, the building's origin, its history, and then, of course, you know, what what's happening in Waverly Hills now. Now, when we do research for these things, you know, you talk about a, a haunted location and you got to, you have to get the history of a haunted location to really understand why is it haunted? Why could it How be did we get here? Estimates say there's as many as 50,000 people died on the property of Waverly Hills. Uh, the TB days, of course, were especially bad. And you had uh, what we, what they refer to now as the body shoot. Yes. Which is a 537 foot tunnel that led to the Dixie Highway. And the idea of the body chute was that someone would pass away and you would take their body down the body chute. Because obviously so, you didn't want to go down the main hallway. You don't want to go down the main Yeah, patients. you don't want other people seeing what's going on. Obviously, you're in the TB ward. It's bad enough as it is. Yeah. It, it's kind of a, and this sounds horrible, but for a lot of those people, the family that sent their members there, it was just kind of a place to go and die. So, so obviously this, like I said, you got to delve into the history of a haunted location, understand why it's haunted. And then you have to think about what, what happened there and being a TB ward, these people were suffering physically. Uh, we talked about the treatments they went through 
And then when it became a geriatric treatment center and, and the stuff they did to them. Definitely not any better. Um, you know, and those are people at the end of their life. I mean, those are people in a lot of cases, you know, I hate to say it, like you said, they're being sent there to die even yeah, then. Very unfortunate, but true. So you end up, you know, the, this spiritual energy, you, you have souls, you have people that died with unfinished business, which we, I think we all agree is, is the number one, you know, motivator, I guess, for haunting. Well, and we've talked about on previous podcasts, a lot of the, the newest part of the structure was actually limestone and block, which is said to kind of trap record that energy. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you've, you've got sort of your typical haunting here. You have the slamming doors, you have shadow people, you have spectral entities, footsteps being heard, you know, people walk through the property and in certain places they're f- struck with feelings of dread or desperation. There's the a little boy, Timmy. Yeah, there's a little boy, that Timmy. That likes to play with, Tim- with like a ball. Yeah, Timmy seems to be a pretty commonly encountered haunt. Uh, he's he's a, a little boy. The The tour guides claim that he spends the day looking for people to play with. And yeah, like if you have if you roll a ball to Timmy, Timmy will roll it back. Yes. That seems to be pretty common. Uh, there's also a little girl that runs up and down the hallways of the third, fo- of the third floor. A woman with bleeding wrists crying out for help. There's a ghost of what they believe is a former maintenance man, very docile, but, uh, he's heard, uh, you might, you might think of the ghost with the typical chains, but it's basically his tool belt. Uh, he's heard yeah. coming up and down steps and, and walking past people in the hallway, uh, in the cafeteria doors shut and open on their own accord. And sometimes people will smell fresh baked bread. Um, back at t- in, in times when there was no power provided to the building, people would oftentimes see lights, lights. and windows when, uh, we had, uh, DA Roberts, DA Roberts. He talked about seeing that in a building when he was a police officer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, that's, that's another fairly common haunting. Now I will say the sanatorium has hundreds and hundreds of windows that the new owners are currently trying to replace. Well, if I in, in the documentation that I saw, like it, virtually every window had been busted Shattered out of the place. Shattered and busted. Apparently vandalized. it was the, the thing for kids to do in the area. And, and I was going to say, I, I, I got to throw this out. You have a lightweight ball that is round, that is made to roll in a corridor, a hallway with multiple windows busted out in other rooms. The wind, you know, could easily push this around. A lot of people would debunk seeing lights because seriously, there were homeless people and and people having parties and doing God knows what, you know, in there. Uh, So you could possibly debunk some of this. Yeah. But then there was also the room 502 that I think you were going to talk about. Talk about room 502 here. That room is of particular interest to ghost seekers. And the story is there was a nurse that was found dead in, in that room in 1928. And she committed suicide by hanging herself from the light fixture. Now, that story does change depending on who you hear it from. And over the years, there's apparently a pipe that runs through that room that she hung herself from. Well, that Mm -hmm. pipe wasn't there in 1928 is my understanding. Right. There's another nurse that worked there that she was stayed in the same room, apparently. And and she jumped from the roof to her death. Fifth floor. Just dove out. Uh, Some say she may have been pushed. So was it suicide? Was it not? Now, there's a slightly different story that uh, for the the woman that hung herself, uh, there was a doctor and nurse that seemed to maybe had a little fling. This nurse got pregnant. and I think I did see a reference to her being pregnant. He performed an abortion on her, uh, which could, and one theory have went just bad. 
And then she hung herself because the, you know, the grief over losing the baby or having the baby aborted. And then there's the other side, a little bit more sinister, that the doctor helped her to keep her quiet, to uh, shut her mouth forever, so to speak. Well, in this particular room, uh, people talk of seeing shapes moving in the windows, disembodied voices, and and allegedly people have even been driven to leap to their own death after visiting this room. Yes. So now, again, we talk about haunted locations, and, and, and Eric and I were talking, and I think we both agreed, haunted locations seem to be a little harder to research in that we can give you the history of a haunted location. We can talk about its origins and why is it haunted and, and, and all that. But hauntings are oftentimes a personal experience. So if somebody's not reporting it or it's not a super common haunting, it's sort of difficult for us to sort of flesh these stories out. So a lot of the stories we have are, are anecdotal and they come from someone else, obviously. I've never been there. I'd love to go. Um, I, I, I read a, a newspaper article that a person had written that was pretty kind of a skeptic until they went mm-hmm. and they were told you, you will see something. And, and they, they did. Now I've started listening to podcasts years ago and I've listened to different podcasts. I want to say this, this story comes from astonishing legends and I might have that wrong, but one of the, the creepiest stories I heard about Waverly Hills was that of the ceiling crawler. You were telling me this. This is straight up horror stories. And yeah, this one is one that that I tried to kind of double check and I tried tried searching for the Waverly Hills ceiling crawler and all that. I couldn't find any other reference to it. And I'm I hope that it was Waverly Hills. I I believe it was Waverly Hills that the guy was talking about, but he was in there with a paranormal group and they were, you know, a serious group. He had been invited to go along with them. And they had cameras set up and, and they did, you know, it was like ghost hunters, you know, it was it was a professional deal. Or as professional as you can get in this particular hobby. <laughs> right. And I guess he had gone down a hallway. And the idea was they were going to film him going down the hallway. And he was going down with his you know, EMF meter and all that stuff uh, just to see what he could find. He was recording EVP as he went. And the film crew was like recording him doing this. Yeah, they were at the other end of the hallway filming him. And now as he goes to the end of the hallway, now my, and I'm trying to remember, this was a couple of years ago that I heard this. I believe he himself said that he kind of was entranced for a moment. And he actually stepped through a door and they were trying to get him to come back out in the hallway. You know, they were calling to him and he doesn't remember going through the door, but he does remember coming out of the door. So he, even he himself, he's like, I had a moment of like lost time there, but I guess as he's at the end of this hallway, he's kind of looking around the film crew sees a shape, a humanoid shape, all black. And it's crawling on the ceiling. Like a spider, like Spider-Man or whatever. And it's, it's going down the, the, and I mean, Obviously, that's just going to look weird either way. So this thing is like moving down the the ceiling and they're overwhelmed with a feeling of of fear for him. And they're like yelling out for him like, dude, dude, you got to get out of there, there, get out of there. And he turns around. He doesn't see it. They see it approaching him. Like it is, it is down the hallway. Are they seeing this on the camera footage or are they my understanding that they see this with their own eyes? Okay. Okay. But he doesn't see it. Like I said, he doesn't see this particular entity if you will selective is only revealing itself to the camera crew for whatever reason he doesn't see it and it's coming down the hallway towards him and they're freaking out because they think this thing's going to get him they don't know what this particular entity is it's all black which is usually not good yeah, black is usually related to yeah demonic and then type. i guess it gets to the end of the hallway and then just kind of melts through the ceiling as it gets to him or or it, it disappears either it goes off to the side or it goes through the ceiling or something like that like it never gets to him but then as he's standing there, 
like say it disappeared it, it it almost feels he said it was almost like a physical sensation of like something kind of like like a like a wind or a breeze blowing by him went through him or around yeah. him or- and he was yeah he 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 come hightailing it back down the hall- hallway <laughs> after that and i don't know that they had footage but everybody there related the story to him and he's like oh no i absolutely felt like something was coming at me but he couldn't see it interesting so not everything at waverly is friendly apparently well and again i'm kind of the the appointed historian of of the two of us i I, I really went down hard trying to the rabbit holes, trying to find information on Waverly Hills. I did come across something that I guess I just never stopped and thought about the self-sufficiency and kind of the reclusiveness of not only the patients, but everybody, the doctors, the nurses. Yeah. I remember saying because it was a TB hospital, they sort of had to be isolated. Yeah. You were isolated. Meaning like if you're a doctor, a nurse, anybody, the janitor, the maintenance guy, anybody that worked there, this wasn't a nine to five job that you just badged out and went back home and had supper with the wife and the kids because you were exposed. So therefore with, with the highly contagiousness and let's face it, they didn't understand what you know made it so contagious. You, you were stuck there. I mean, years, the weight on your soul and your psyche for that. I mean, that would, well, those, those that doctors, would be tough. The doctors, I mean, they knew, uh, you know, a good portion of the people they were treating were going to die. Yeah, there, there's no hope for these people, but I'm here to try to comfort them the best I know how, and that may include, you know, basically handcuffing you to an iron bed and throwing you out in the winter for fresh air, collapsing your lungs, breaking ribs, removing ribs, maybe a little static to the brain, yeah. electricity, anything that we can do to try to help make you comfortable. But yeah, this place was totally self-sufficient. Uh, from water collection systems to gardens that grow their own food to livestock, which adds another whole layer of people that you don't think about. But, I mean, there was gardeners. There were people that had to care for the livestock. There were the people that, you know, collected the produce from the gardens and, and the cooks. And, I mean, the list just goes on and on. And none of these people were allowed to leave. I mean, total lockdown. That kind of helps set the stage to, what most people that go to Waverly Hills, you know, state there is, if you experience nothing else, there is this remorse, grief, the hair on the back of your neck, energy. You say it's got to be a very oppressive that, place. Yes, I mean, and this thing, like I said, started as a schoolhouse, but you know, um, tried to be a prison that got shot down. But a, a geriatrics nursing home, the tuberculosis ward, a lot of these incidents were not pleasant, and and. Probably started with the best of intent. Absolutely. But again, we were trying to do the best we knew how to do, but now if you want to go to Waverly Hills, I I think I saw a price tag of a thousand to like thirteen hundred dollars for an overnight tour. Yes. Uh, And that's you know, that's a lot. As of August fourteenth, twenty seventeen, I found tickets cost from one thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Um you have access to bathrooms and a shower. You'll need to bring your own towels and other bath items with you. Uh, let's see. The night begins at 8 p.m. and checkouts at noon the following day, uh, if you last that long, of course. Um, <laughs> and Waverly Hill Sanatorium is located at 4400 Paralee Lane at in Valley Station. Again, that was dated August 14th. Now, I, I thought, gonna, Bill and I want to go to this. I was going to say, I think you found some, some cheaper way and of it's doing like, this. Bill and I are poor and cheap. <laughs> uh, 
That's so, a bad, it's, I mean, that's it's true. What kind of causes it, the other, doesn't it, it? Yeah, it's true. So I'm like, yeah, we couldn't afford that. So I'm I'm really I'm diving in because I want to go, and it's like I did find. Uh, and it was an earlier, like I want to say 2015 ish post that, uh, at least at that time, a two hour tour you could do for, it was under $30. I want to say it was like 26, $27, but under $30 a person, you could at least go and, and get a two hour tour. Um, if you go on YouTube and stuff, you can see where I mean, people are lined up. I mean, this is, this is a happening place. So obviously people are spending the money. They feel it's worth it. Many are returning. The good thing is the Mattingly's, the the current owners, are taking, if not a hundred percent proceeds. I mean, they have to pay the tour guides and stuff, but they're flipping this money into restoring sections of Waverly Hills. Um, this last year, they were working at least on one entire wing to replace all the windows. And, and Bill and I mentioned hundreds of very large windows. That that that's not cheap. Um, they have areas that are now totally refinished. Um, like I said, if you want to go for the overnights, heck, you can get your own shower and, and beds and, and, you know, everything. Uh, but that's only a small portion. And as they continue to get that revenue, they are expanding, uh, renovations and trying to, to take in more and more, uh, remodeling of the place. Oh, while I was doing the research, we were talking about, uh, people on tour, um, as one, recent one last as little anecdote here, March 20th, 2022, just not so long ago, a few weeks ago, actually, from at least from recording this, uh, some tour groups, construction and renovation workers, as well as personnel got to spend some quality time in none other than the body shoot room. Uh, when tornado alarms were given for the Louisville, did I say Louisville. that right? Louisville, Louisville area. <laughs> Directors of Waverly thought quickly and took nearly 100 people down to the over 500 foot long body chute because obviously it's below ground and it is the safest tornado shelter. Literally tornadoes going overhead. They interviewed uh, one of the local news uh, broadcasting people uh, or companies interviewed several people. I loved the interviews. <laughs> they were everywhere. You had the people that's Oh my gosh, I never dreamed I would got to spend this time of time in the body shoot, yeah. which that'd be me. I'm sorry. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, man, I got my tickets worth to the time when these people were literally, there was a lady that was shaking. She goes, I thought I was going to pass out. I didn't know if I wanted to run out into the tornado and take my chances or be down here with, you know, God only knows what in the body shoot, which obviously is one of the most proclaimed, acclaimed haunted areas. But the fact that a tornado, you know, you got this, we'll say real life danger flying overhead, a hundred people crammed. If, if you're into confinement space thing, there's, there's that you're underground and this is where you're seeking refuge there. That, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, the, as if the place isn't scary enough, here's your backstage pass. <laughs> Waverly Hills staff uh, made a posting regarding the event like the next day, and it says, To all of our guests that were evacuated into the body shoot last night during the tornado warnings, thank you all for your cooperation and understanding. Safety for our customers and staff is our number one priority at all times. We appreciate every single one of you. To anyone that was affected, uh, meaning to the tornadoes, uh, our hearts and prayers go out to all of you, and we hope everyone made it home safely. On a positive note, no tornadoes were confirmed uh, there in the city of Louisville. 
the National Weather Service uh, preliminary confirmed five tornadoes in the surrounding counties, including Hardin, uh, Bullitt, and Breckenridge counties in Kentucky. So that that was pretty recent. Um, it, it's a haunted place already. You're going there. You've got tornadoes on the outside. You've got ghost inspectors on the <laughs> inside. Let's send you down to the body chute. Where do I sign up? You know, uh, we hope you brought your own towels and maybe a change of shorts. <laughs> Oh, all that energy, all that energy to harness for all those spooks inspectors. Now, you know, as we say, Waverly Hills definitely considered by most one of the, if not the number one most haunted place in America, but probably top five in the world. Just a little pop culture. Waverly Hills has been uh, popularized on TV shows, as Bill has mentioned, like Ghost Hunters. Uh, as being one of the most haunted locations, the sanatorium was featured in the ABC Fox Family Channel's Scariest Places on Earth, VH1's Celebrity Paranormal Projects, Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunter Zone Reality, uh, Most Haunted Paranormal Challenge, Ghost Adventurers on the Travel Channel. The list just goes on and on I and believe on. they referenced it in an episode of Supernatural once. They did. So when you talk about the haunted places of the world, places that I would want to visit which i will say there are definitely some haunted places i have no desire to go to but this one you know i'd I'd like to get a chance to get in there someday it just sounds fascinating you know some of the things that people have talked about and they've they've seen it it seems like people go in like even skeptics can can go in and come out believers i'm a believer so you know and 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 i think when eric and i talk i'm I'm, i think i'm more skeptical of of certain things and and even our own experiences things that him and i have shared experiences Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe not. So, uh, and we touched on that in the the Morse Mill episode. If you want to go back to that, you know, this place again. I mean, just the ceiling crawler story alone. I mean, that's oh, that's yeah. creepy and scary. That's nightmares. Some of the other stuff. I, I you know, the, the, this is definitely. This seems to me like one of those places that most definitely has something going on. Yeah, I think if you're gonna go try to catch something, this is a good, good, good target. Good target. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed another episode of uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. And let me just say, watch out for those ceiling crawlers out there. Thank you so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love. 
but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.